Thanks, Deanna. What a beautiful day out, huh? Yeah, hey, uh, we've been talking about work, and uh, we're just about ready to kind of finish that series up. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad you're joining us today. And if I could pick out one verse to kind of characterize the whole series or to give it a theme, it probably would be 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Let me read it to you right now. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God, right? So essentially what this verse is saying is don't compartmentalize your faith. Your faith shouldn't be just Sunday. It should be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Your worship shouldn't be just right now. It should be all times, in all places, doing all things. So do it all to the glory of God, right? So you may be here and you say, you know, Pastor, there have been times where you've mentioned uh, memorizing Scripture is a good thing. But, you know, sometimes I just don't know the Bible that well and I don't know where to start. And I wish I could find a verse that could be kind of like this kind of uh, North Star verse, this verse that could tell me uh, what direction to go and it would be easy to learn because I'm not good at memorizing do you have that verse? Yeah, I just read it to you, <laughs> okay? 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That would be a great verse to memorize and to hide in your heart that you would uh, follow God's plan. So um, as we talk about this today, what we want to do is we want to talk about when should you change your job or when should you retire, Okay. So I'm going to spend 90% of my time talking about when you should change your job and about 10% talking about when you should retire, all right? And so, the, but I want to distinguish first, and I talked a little bit about this midweek in my uh, chat with Matt. Um, I want to talk, dis, distinguish between your career, your vocation, your job, and your calling, because they're different. Um, your job is something you do to make money, to support your family, to pay the bills. You may or may not like it. You may say it's fulfilling, it's not fulfilling, it's temporary. I just can't wait till I find another one. That's your job. But I find that many people are pursuing a career. They're pursuing uh, just this, this, uh, this thing that they want out there in the workplace, right? I want this job, I want this career, I, and instead of doing that, I want to challenge you to pursue your calling, because in God's eyes, your calling is more important than whatever job you're doing, whatever career you've chosen. It's more important, and so instead of pursuing your career, I want you to live out your calling. Um, 2 Timothy 1.9, let me read this to you. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time, from the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Your calling is to live a holy life. That's it. Your calling is to live a holy life. In all that you do, in your career, at school, in your neighborhood, at the store, while you're driving, live out your calling. 
But we get so concerned about what job we're doing, what career we're pursuing. You know, are we, you know, we doing this? Are we going to reach these goals and all that? No, nothing wrong with that. But I just want to tell you that in all of that, God is more concerned about you pursuing your calling to live a holy life. Now, what does that mean? It means a life that's set apart. That means it's a life that's honoring to God. It's the first verse we looked at. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. That is where, that's the, the standard. So instead of thinking about a certain career or a certain job and, and pursuing that, think of wherever God has placed you to pursue your calling. Because that is the most important thing that you can do as, a, as one of his followers. God calls you to live out your calling wherever you are, whether it's your job, your, your home, your school, wherever you are. And that's kind of the, essentially what this series is about. And I wanted to distinguish that because we're told in our world today that if you have this certain job or career path or track or whatever it is, then you're going to find happiness, you're going to make money and all that stuff, and you will find a certain amount of happiness, and you will make probably money. But God basically says true joy, true life, true purpose and meaning comes when you pursue your calling. And you only get your calling from God. All right. So let's talk about this idea of changing your job. Should you change your job? You may be in a place right now where you say, I'm thinking of changing my job. I don't really like the job I have right now, but I'm thinking of changing. Well, let me give you a few things that you should think about before you do that. And uh, this may help you in that process. Because I think we always need to have wisdom from others and talk to other people. And maybe this will be kind of a couple of things here. or Maybe one or two of these things will help you in, in your, your choosing or deciding. So here's a few questions you should ask yourself. Are you being asked to compromise your values at your current workplace? Are you being asked to compromise your Christian values? Now, there's many professions where you are being asked or challenged with your, your current Christian values. So for instance, in medicine, some doctors uh, are, in, even in training, are asked to do procedures that they, you know, like abortions and other things, where they, uh, I think, can bow out of it, but it, there, is a, there is an ethical dilemma that they have at that point, right? Uh, pharmacists uh, prescribing uh, certain drugs and doctors doing certain procedures, they would find that they, they would feel they couldn't, in a right conscience, do that before God. I think one that's coming up right now um, that is going to be an issue for both doctors and for pharmacists is this area, and this is my opinion, okay, is this adolescent gender uh, transition that's happening right now. And this is going to be a big issue moving forward. And, and what does a pharmacist do in this situation? What does a doctor do in this situation? When they know that this is, you know, maybe this isn't a, the best thing for a young person. Uh, that They have to wrestle with that. But, you know, even in business, you, you know, so in the medical profession, in business, you may be asked to, you know, to, to uh, lie to a client or a, a, a customer. It may be that you're asked to... Um, play with the books a little bit. It may be that you're to cover up malpractice, um, maybe, you know, stretch the truth of a, of a product or, or, you know, all these things can come up. Um, you could be challenged ethically, right? Um, so let me give you a couple of examples from my life. So one example was 
When I first graduated from college, I got involved in a company. We did installations, and I did it on the East Coast and as far as Chicago Midwest. And I would go, like all week, I would go into shops, and I would install equipment. And uh, when I got back, I was supposed to fill out, and I did, fill out uh, an expense report and, you know, my meals, hotel, all the travel expenses, and I was to turn those in. Well, after about two months, I got called into my boss's office. And he said to me, he says, You're, you need to spend more money with your business expenses. You're making everybody look foolish. And it was like, I wasn't trying to make everybody look foolish. I didn't know. I was just charging what it cost me, and that's it. And I was kind of economical. I wasn't eating at great restaurants because I was tired after 10 hours, and I just wanted to eat something and go to bed, and, and that was it. And um, so the challenge was basically you need to put more money down. How do you do that? How do you do that, right? Some of you have been asked that, right? I remember another job I had. This was uh, when I was in high school, and um, we were asked to, one of the jobs we had is we had a 48-foot trailer, and the, we had bags of chemicals or cement. I don't know what it was. All I know is it was, it was really uh, dusty, and some of the bags were broken. And our job was to, and there was, I think, two or, th there was probably three of us, uh, and we were to uh, lay this, the pallet out, which is the wooden thing that the, the forklift comes and takes away. And we had to fill out these pallets, and then the the other guy would, one of the guys would take the pallets away and put them somewhere. But we, you know, got further and further into the trailer. We were wearing these, you know, the masks we've been wearing for the last couple of years that, that don't really work very well. And, you know, you come out and you start looking like an old man because you've got dust all over you and you're spitting and it's not coming out, you know, it's coming out as chunks and, you know, it's kind of you're breathing all of this stuff in, and who knows what it is, and all of that. So we ended up uh, getting the trailer all uh, empty that day, and it was hard work. It was. We worked hard, and we got it done, and we got, the three of us got called into the boss's office, and he said, you guys, you can never do that again. Well, what? He's, you, it took, we, we had four guys working on the trailer. We generally have four guys working on the trailer, and it takes them about five days so he's basically saying, you need to slow down. Well, what do you do? You walk slower. You know, what do you do? Now, here's, these are just two examples. I could list more. But these are just two examples. You say, what do you do in situations like that where you're challenged to play with the, you know, and it, and it pushes on your ethics? What do you do in, that, in those situations? So I want to read you a story. This is a, one of, this is a great story. It's Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. Let me read it to you. Let me give you just quick context. So I always want to give context because I'm assuming that people who are watching, people who are here, you may not know the story. Well, the nation of Israel, they're slaves in Egypt. And these, these Hebrew women are having babies like nobody's business. And the Pharaoh takes notice and goes, hey, you know, they're getting to be pretty big population we need to uh, take these boys out. So they had these Egyptian midwives that would help the Hebrew women with their, having their children. And so this is uh, the king of Egypt, the, the Pharaoh, would, he, this is what he said. And this is verse 15 of chapter 1. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shepara and Pua, 
Uh, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see the baby as a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. Now, let's just stop there. Let me read that one more time because sometimes we read through it and we don't stop. The midwives, however, feared God. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. What, what was the first verse we looked? For God saved us and called us to live a holy life, a holy set-apart life. So these are, these are pagan women, basically, but they are looking to God some, for some reason. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. The king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered the Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. Liars. They are. They're lying. There's no question about it. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Now, that last phrase is very interesting. Because most of the time when a, when a woman was a midwife, it was because she herself could not conceive and give birth. What this tells us is that God opened up their wombs so they could have children. Because they feared God. That's a great story. Now, three things we learn from this story. Number one, we know their names. Let me give a whack at it. Shapara and Pua. Anyone naming your kids those names? They're open. <laughs> There's a reason why they're open, right? But here's the thing. We know their names. They're heroes. They're heroes. How much knowledge did they have of God? Not much. Just enough. They were... So we know their names. Secondly, God took care of them. But they lied, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they lied. That's a whole other message to talk about. The, the bottom line is they lied. They said, we're going to lie about it. And they did. And then number three, notice it worked out for them. But here's the thing, and you need, maybe some of you need to hear this, because you don't hear the other shoe. It worked out for them, but it might not work out for you. See, the point of the story isn't that when you do the right thing, it will work out for you in the end, and God is going to bless you richly. And I know that's what we hear all the time, but many times it doesn't. It may not work out if you do the right thing at work. If you try to live an honest, moral, transparent life, it may not work out for you. It just might not work out. Let's just get away from the scripture that says, whenever you do the right thing for God, it's going to work out. Let's just assume it won't. It did for them, but it might not for you. All right, so that's the first thing. Are you being asked to compromise your value? Secondly, is your job causing you to fall, to fall into sin? Are you being tempted because of how you, where you work or what you do? Um, I don't know what that might be, but I know what it could be. 
I know that sometimes you're, you may be the kind of person that you do a lot of traveling and you go to another city and, and you're in another city where no one knows you and no one knows what you're doing and you can get into a lot of trouble real quick. A lot of trouble real quick, right? Here's how temptation works. I want to just stop for a minute because I think this is really important for us to hear. The enemy doesn't come to you and say, oh, by the way, if you sin, here are the consequences. What you thought was always going to be hidden is going to be publicly proclaimed. What you did is going to come back to your spouse, your wife or your husband, and they're going to hear about it. And it's going to break trust. It's going to breach trust, and you might never get that trust back. You're going to have to explain it to your kids somehow. Not only that, you might get fired. This is all good. The enemy doesn't say that. What does the enemy say? Go do it. No one knows. No one will ever know. It'll be your little secret. If you're in a job that puts you at risk because you can't be trusted alone and you don't, have, you don't have accountability in your life that will keep you honest, maybe you need to move on for the sake of your family, the sake of your life. So the, the passage I want you to read here is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No, tenta- no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide you a way so that you can also endure it. And the way out sometimes when you're being tempted, maybe is you leave your job because it's too much of a temptation. You can't be trusted. And you need to walk away from it. You say it's good money. So what? Do you want to lose your family and everything for that? By the way, this, there's a phrase in here that says, he will not let you be tempted. All right, let's see if I can. That's better. Okay. It's a comedy show, right? All right, here we go. Hang on here. Really messed up here. All right, here we go. All right. I'm back. You can edit this, right? Oh, wait, we don't edit it. It's all live. All right. So let me read you this. Uh, So the phrase I wanted to look, and God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. What some people have taken that verse to say is, God won't give you more than you can take. That's not what this verse is saying. This passage is saying that when you are tempted, God will provide for you a way to get out. There's always a way out when you are tempted That's what this verse is saying. And I'm saying in the context of your job, if your job is causing you to sin or it is 
tempting you to sin, then the, maybe the way out is to get out of that job and that type of job if, that's, if you need to do that, all right? Uh, maybe walking away is uh, what you need to do. Here's the third thing. Is your job putting you at physical or emotional risk? Um, like I said, <laughs> I worked in this trailer. I'm sure it wasn't safe. I'm sure the stuff I was breathing in wasn't good, but this was the way it was. And you, listen, we all, most of you have had jobs that weren't safe, where whoever was supposed to be in charge wasn't really taking care of things. And you have to take care of yourself. And you say, is, is it time to make a move because it's just the work, the physical is too demanding. How many professional athletes today have suffered uh, brain trauma and just are just shells of themselves because they played too long? Or they have injuries where they can barely get around? Or it's okay to say that the physical demands of this job are too much. It's not worth it. Phys my physical well-being not, is not worth the risk. It may be that you're in, an, in a job where the emotional atmosphere is just so draining and so demoralizing that you just, you dread going into work. You dread working with the people you're, you're with. And, and you just don't see a way out. You feel like you're trapped. You feel like every day. And, and that is affects when you come home because you come home and you're, you're, you're drained and you're, you're, you're pouring this out on your, your kids, your family, and, and they're struggling because you're struggling. And, and it may be that this, and you know what? Here's the thing. If you're in one of those jobs and you, 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 you are able to walk out of it and get away from it, and you're able to walk into a job where there's a healthy environment, you think you've gone to heaven. You go, I didn't know it could be this good. But many of us struggle with emotionally unhealthy people and environments, don't we? And that may be a reason to walk away. So the question I want to ask you is this. Can you walk away today do you have a plan? Because there's nothing worse than being trapped in a job that is draining you and not have a plan. And so here's a few questions you might need to ask yourself. Number one, do you have a, some, some sort of savings that can tide you over while you look for another job? Do you have it? Are you, do you have a plan for that? Number two, are you developing your skills and education? Are you taking opportunities to grow as a person in your skills and education? This job you have now may be preparing you for the job that will really bring you fulfillment. And then number three, is this the right time to walk away? Here's, here's what I think. I think that if you don't have a plan and you go into a job where you're physically and emotionally drained and you have no hope, that is just, that's just not good. But here's the thing. If you step back and you come up with a plan, let's say you don't have any money right now set aside, but if you start setting aside money so that maybe in six months or a year from now, you have enough money to step away. You have enough money to look for something better. You have 
taken some classes, you have some skills. Now you have hope because you say, this is a misery, but it's temporary misery because I have a plan to get out. So maybe you have to come up with a plan and you just step away and say, okay, I have to step away, but I can't step away today, but I can't step away in six months. I can't step away in a year and I'm going to have a plan. So maybe that's what you need to do. Let me give you two reasons why you shouldn't walk away. All right. Don't walk away just because you don't like your job. I'm amazed at how many young people, and I'll include my boys in that. They, and again, this is a general statement, so don't you know, quote me on it. I think that there's a, a lot of younger people that think that the first job that they ever take is you know, out of college or out of whatever, the first job they take is going to be high-paying, tremendously fulfilling, awfully encouraging. You know, The more descriptors I put the more the people that have been in the workforce just smile and go, good luck with that one, right? Because it doesn't happen that way. I mean, you are fortunate if you have one or two jobs in your lifetime that you say, that was a great job. Most of your jobs, you go, well, there's some parts there that I like, but there's a lot that I don't like. Or you say, well, there's some really good things I love to do, and there's some really bad things that I don't like to do. And, and that's the way it is oftentimes. Uh, but you, my kids say to me, you know, they say, Dad, what do you think I should do? I said, this isn't your forever job. This is for now. But here's the problem. When you ask your job to, make, to be the source of your happiness, your security, and all that stuff, you're going to be disappointed. You are just going to be disappointed in the same way that if you ask another person, a human being on this planet to do that to you, to be your security or your, your, you know, your satisfaction or whatever, you're going to be disappointed because they're going to let you down, just like your job will let you down. Uh, Jesus says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, taking care of your family is a noble task and being a witness of the gospel is your calling. We often say, I'm going to be a witness for God when I get to this position. No, you're going to be a witness. You are a witness for God right now. Okay, you are. The question is, are you living up to your calling wherever you are? And by the way, even if you don't have a job, if you're going to school, if you're, you know, wherever you are, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. This is your calling to live a holy life. We Be most concerned about that because if you get that right, everything else will be okay. It might be, not be great, but it, you will get a well-done, faithful servant. First uh, Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, everyone should provide for his own relatives. Most of all, everyone should take care of his own family. If he doesn't, he has left the faith. He is worse than someone who doesn't believe. Um. Taking care of your family is a noble task. It's a good thing. It's an important thing. Don't downplay it. 
Don't, don't minimize that. That's an incredibly important thing. Your job may not be uh, a way for you. It may be a way for you just, just to take care of your family and fund maybe what you really love to do someday. And then, uh, so don't take a job just because you don't like, or don't quit a job just because you don't like it. Secondly, don't walk away just because you're going to make more money. Don't, um, often we, we take a job and we say, oh boy, I'm going to make so much money at this other job. And many times people make this decision only because they're going to be making more money. And they don't really look at the fine print. Okay, this is going to mean weekends away. This is going to mean I'm, my, I'm going to be away from the family. This means I'm going to be spending more time on the road. This means I'm going to be, have more emotional drain and physical drain. This means I'm going to have uh, fewer hours with the people I care about. Um, and, and I just think we need to be really careful about those decisions. Um, I have seen too many people make a decision to say, I'm going to make more money here. And then they realize after five or 10 years, hey, what happened to my kids? Did they grow up and I wasn't around? Is that what happened? I wasn't at their games. I wasn't able to be at the table at dinner. I wasn't around on the weekend. I mean, we live in a nice house. We drive nice cars. We wear good clothes but I don't really know my kids. Is, is that worth it? Think about this. If you, if you had a week to live, would where you live, the house you live in, or the car you drive, or the clothes you wear, would it matter at all to you? What would matter? Every one of the relationships that you have in your life. So why do we make decisions based upon well, we could live in, an, you know, we could have more. Why do we do that? Because oftentimes more means less with our relationships. Um, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says this. It's a very interesting passage. So Solomon writes the book of Ecclesiastes, and he has a phrase all through, peppered all through the book. And Solomon was a king of, over Israel, and he was able to try everything out. And he uses this phrase, under the sun. And what under the sun means is life lived without God. Life lived without God. And he essentially, he, he, he tries everything. And he says, it was good, it was okay, but, but it was meaningless. Essentially, the, the book theme is life without God is meaningless. And he says this. He, uh, he said, I undertook great projects. I built homes for myself and I planted vineyards. I made uh, gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit, fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs and water groves of flourishing trees. And then in verse 11, he says, yet I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve and everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. What Solomon was saying was not that his work was bad or a waste of any, you know. He was saying, if, if I was looking for that to be it, it wasn't it. No matter how good and how beautiful it was, no matter how much money I made, I was always lacking. I've seen people take 
a job for more money and have less time with their family and more stress in their lives. And I ask myself, is it worth it? All right, one last question. I've got about two minutes to do this. When should you retire? Okay. So Christians are free to retire from their occupation, but they're never free from serving God and others. In other words, you're never free from your calling. As long as you draw a breath, as long as you have a pulse, you have a calling. <laughs> now, we need to be able to get out of bed and do something for someone else, serve someone else. If we can serve someone else, we should. If we can serve God, we should. We should do something for others and not just for ourselves. That's just scripture, right? Um, love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's the second great command. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. So every day we need to wake up with that and we need to make those opportunities happen. Your life in retirement will lack meaning and purpose um, that, that work will provide as you serve others. Uh, Peter writes this. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful servants of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should speak as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should uh, do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that where we began? Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Don't compartmentalize your faith. Live it out. Live your calling. Don't worry about your career. Don't worry about your job. Those are the principles that I think you should do. Now, a quick word from Matt and his retirement. All right. So I am retiring as the senior pastor of Hope Church. If you haven't heard... Because many of you have, have, have questioned me and said, well, what are you going to do? You know, what, good thing you get to re finally retire, like I'm going to you know, sit around in a rocker or something like that. And um, here's, here's the deal. I am retiring as the senior pastor of Hope Church because I think Hope Church needs to reach a couple of generations that are quickly walking away from anything related to Jesus Christ and his church. And we need to get after it. And I'm not the person to do that. And we need somebody who's younger who can do that. And that's the major reason why I'm retiring. I could do this for another 10 years. But you know what? The bottom line is we need to reach the next generations. And I'm not the person to do that. And we need, in my consultant hat right now, I say that's what this church needs. So I'm going to get out of the way so that can happen. That's basically what I'm going to do. But I'm going to be involved in some sort of ministry, helping churches as they transition between pastors. Probably that's what I'll be doing. But I'm not retiring, retiring. But I'm just telling you what I'm doing and what I think God's calling me to do. Step back. And by the way, when the next leader comes, and that about a year from now, we should have a clearer picture of who that is and what that looks like. My job is to do this, put my arm around that person and say, this is the guy that God is, is going to lead us into the future, and I pray that you will support him. And, and that's what I hope to, that we will all do, and that's what I'm praying for, and I hope you are too. So, yeah, you can retire from your occupation, but you never retire from your calling, never. As long as you have a breath, 
as long as you have a pulse. God wants you to bless somebody. God wants you to help somebody. God wants you to serve somebody. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for the encouragement we get through your word. Help us, Father, to live out our calling, not to be so concerned about our job or our profession or our career. Help us to be thoughtful and to see that you've placed us in the current place you have us to uh, live a holy life, to be a witness, to be a light, to be um, salt. And help us to do that in a wise and intelligent way, Father. But most of all, Father, help each and every one of us find our ultimate fulfillment in you. And may uh, we be able to uh, encourage and make our workplace a better place because uh, we lift you up and uh, we follow you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.